Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to season five of Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all. For Geek Culture and the official podcast of ComicBook.com, I'm your host Kofi Outlaw, and today I got the regular Comic Book Nation team. You already saw Matt Aguilar coming in hot. What's up? Still coming in hot and loud. All right, we got Janelle Wheeler coming. Hello, in. Miami. Let's go. Hot. Okay. <laughs> And uh, hopefully Jamie Lovett's coming in at a normal volume. My ears will take. Um, hi. There we go. There's some dulcet baritone tones. That's what I'm looking for, the dulcet tones of uh, Jamie Lovett, who's joining us once again. It is a full moon out tonight, and there is a lot going on. We are here in Nashville, which is a crazy city this weekend, but uh, it's a lot going on in the world of entertainment in general because this is the week we get Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. It is now out in theaters. Everybody is seeing it. We gave you our reactions last week. So we are going to do a full review of Guardians of the Galaxy 3 this week. But the caveat is we are going to wait till the end for that, because we're going to talk about that movie kind of in full spoilers, or not like a full spoiler review, but be able to talk about everything we think about it, you know, unencumbered. So we're going to save that to the end. So anybody who hasn't seen it yet can get out of here. Come back when you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I'll also plug that uh, our redhead cousin phase have a full spoiler breakdown, long discussion of it today. So you can check that out as well. But uh, for everybody who's seen the film already, we are going to talk about it. For everybody who hasn't, you can come back later and we're going to do that at the end. For the rest of this show, what we have in the lineup, because I like to give you guys a rundown at the beginning now, so you can tell. Like I said, every segment's about 10 or 15 minutes, so you can jump around if you need to, if you're listening in podcast form. We will be reviewing the new anthology of Star Wars Visions. The, uh, they're released for May the 4th, which is the anime, animated collection of Star Wars stories. We're going to talk about the new show Citadel from Amazon Prime, which comes by way of the Russo Brothers, Avengers Endgame directors. Matt has some Matt stuff for you this week, including a promotion of uh, it's free comic book day also this weekend. There's crazy stuff happening and a preview of WWE backlash. We got some big new comics this week. There's a new Groot comic from Marvel, and we are going to talk about the milestone Batman 900. Then we will all at the end, as I said, we will be talking about guardians of the galaxy three and in our bonus round over at the Comic Book Nation YouTube page, we have an interview with Superman writer Joshua Williamson about his new series, Night Terrors. Uh, Matt Aguilar knocked that one out, so we got that for you as well, and you guys should check out that goodness. So that's everything we have for the show. Hope you guys are excited. Let's get into it right off the bat. Yesterday was May the 4th. Uh, it was a big Star Wars day. It's the uh, unofficial Star Wars celebration. Well, no, we can't use that word. Lucasfilm will sue us. But the uh, unofficial Star Wars day where they uh, were kind of George Lucas. People started playing when the original film came out and said, oh, may the fourth be with you. It was all funny joke. And now it's a thing. 
I say all that to say because Star Trek fans are a little angry about all this, as usual. But uh, you guys, we can figure out a date to make up something good for Star Trek, too. I mean, at this point, we're such a big Star Trek universe. We can make Star Trek Day happen. It's it's. You could even have like a Kelvin Star Trek Day or in like a regular in Star Trek. Is it? Yeah, Star Trek Day, September. I hope I'm getting this right so that fans don't eat me alive. Eighth, I think. It's when the, well, that's uh, the first episode uh, aired. Yeah, it's a problem. Like, we, we just haven't had enough promotion. Star Trek's got to get its like day marketing up. Like, this was all grass. It, it just doesn't have campaign. a cool pun to go with it, like May the 4th. Yeah. Be with you. Yeah, I mean, and those dumb puns seem to do all the work, but. Uh, it was Star Wars Day, and uh, we got the new anthology, Star Wars Visions. And um, if you, we did the first anthology when it came out. The first anthology was all kind of anime. It was different anime studios taking a crack at telling their own Star Wars stories. We thoroughly enjoyed it and kind of talked about it. This time around, they kind of spread the love out to a worldwide collection of kind of animation studios. And... The results, I think, are pretty spectacular. Um, I love Star Wars Visions. I think this is a great new lane for this franchise. Uh, I was sitting down and kind of watching this with my son, and he was just so curious about like what it was. And I was trying to explain it to him. And he's like, so wait, does this mean like Luke's got... And I was like, no, no, no. It's just like people telling their own individual Star Wars stories and just kind of enjoying it and having fun with it. And these great present forum presentations of these different animation styles so in this second installment we got everybody from like latin american companies like el guerrero guerrero i know i just butchered that we have cartoon saloon we have punk robot ardman studio mir studio la cache 88 pictures Lucasfilms and DR, uh, I'm just butchering some of these names, Triggerfish. These are all very famous worldwide animation studios. If you are any kind of fan of like animated movies, we're talking to people who made like Chicken Run. There's people who worked on the Boondocks. Like they're all getting to tell Star Wars stories. And um, I thought this collection was better for it in some ways. By I mean, I love the first anthology a whole lot. But I liked how this kind of expanded the literal, I mean, no pun intended, but the vision of it. And we got such kind of uh, unique, who has Fa La 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 playing as their ringtone? Oh, it's me, of course. Why would that not? Do you even have to ask that question? I I wanted to believe. Yeah, I I wanted to believe different. Yes, as people are pointing out, Studio Mir did Legend of Korra in the Avatar series, like, so this is a, I mean, impressive collection of worldwide studios. These aren't like the, these aren't the, uh, you know what, you know what I'm saying is, is it the amateur animators out here? These are the top dogs, and the results speak for themselves. Um, so many kind of either funny or touching or thrilling stories this time around. Uh, there's even one I know Jamie's going to shake his head and start to and start to fall apart here, but I'm even going to do one just just for fun, just to make people mad on a Friday. I'm going to do one about how this uh, anthology explores the great Jedi concept. We're going to bring back the great Jedi all over again, uh, Jamie, just to just to make you angry because I know you hate that. But um, I really did have a good time <laughs> with this one, and I was surprised by how many of these because, like in the first one, it can be hit or miss. You know what I mean? Like some of them could be really exciting, and some of them could be different, but this one reflected so much of the cult of the, so many of the cultures they came from really well. Like the, like I, it made me remember like years I grew up watching like French animation. Right. And like 
things like that, or just, uh, you know, Indian from animation. And it all worked really well in the stories they told were really powerful. I felt myself getting a little emotional on more than a few of these um, and a great kind of overall theme of people kind of like persevering through dark times and having to do hard things like separate from family or make hard decisions. There's one was a lot more mature in some ways and uh, I appreciate it for it. And I hope this continues, but you guys know me. I, I'm a just an, I'm the most star Warsy fan probably up here. What do the rest of you norms out there that I made watch all this? Think about it. Matt, you want to start? Sure. Uh, I, I love this. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the first series. Uh, so, I mean, I was, I was all in from the get go. It starts off with like Sith is what a kick-ass way to start that whole season off like that, <laughs> that episode rules. Uh, but then I think I really, you know, the ones that like, there's like three different ones that really focus on like how the Jedi recruit and like the, the toll and stuff that that can take on people making a choice. And well, the one that really got me was in the stars. Uh, that one, just like the animation, is just beautiful. Uh, that was Punk Robot. Uh, that that <laughs> is just gorgeous. And I it's knew just, you were going to say that. I knew that would be your favorite one. I oh my god, it. it's amazing! But like, and and just like the the back and forth right between like the sister and not wanting to, to use the force and the and the thing, the way they like tell the story about like what happened to their mom and stuff like the way it's just done it's just so beautifully done uh even like the the big action sequences uh, there's just something like really special that it, it, they feel different uh i i adored that episode like i would show that to anybody uh regardless of if they're a star wars fan or not and be like hey like this is this is amazing and, and i think th there's so many examples of those throughout this season though i think there are several that i could point to um and so I, I loved it. I, I hope we continue to get this because this is just some of the coolest Star Wars stuff there is out there. Jamie, what did you think? Oh, I love this. Um, to, to speak to what, you know, Matt was saying about even non-Star Wars fans liking this. You know, my wife is like casually interested in Star Wars, maybe. And she saw me watching the Cartoon Saloon episode, the second one, and just sat through the entire rest of the series with me because she instantly became hooked. Um, you know, I talked to the producers of the series and they were talking about how with the first one, in addition to just being really pretty, people keyed into like the cultural elements that the Japanese studios brought into it, like the duel being a almost Kurosawa-like you know, samurai story. And that's why they went global with this. And I think that was really key to why this is so good because I don't think you get something like in the stars unless it comes from an animation studio in Chile in South America where stuff like deforestation and things like that are a much more present concern than they are here. Um, and you see that a lot. And I think it speaks to like the themes in the big like, not the lore, but the like meanings underneath all the lore that George Lucas put into his original Star Wars stuff that you filter it through all these different cultural lenses and it still resonates. There's still that, you know, scrappy underdogs fighting against the Empire is like, that's a global thing that everyone uh, can relate to. And it does play with that a little bit. There are a lot of 
you know, you, you touched on gray Jedi stuff, but there is a lot of stuff in here about how like light side, dark side isn't necessarily split. Like in Sith, she can't finish the story until she realizes or finish the painting until she accepts that the darkness is still a part of her. And you get the studio mirror episode where they're like light and dark aren't so, you know, static, they change, they shift. And then you get the cartoon saloon one is, you know, on one hand, it's a Banshee story, which is, it's an Irish studio. So that's a cultural touch point, but also it's, it's basically like it's Luke Skywalker's story. If he got recruited by its Sith. Right. And it makes you think about the dark side as being more like that little girl's not out to, for power. She just wants off of her backwoods planet the same way Luke Skywalker did. Uh, so it's both like, it gives me a lot of hope for the franchise's future because it makes you realize how much can still be done with these core themes and core ideas. If creators are giving the license to imagine them through more personal lens. Like I love like what Dave Filoni has done, but he's mostly just tweaking and adjusting stuff that was already present from when George Lucas started the series. This shows what can be done. If you let somebody just take those very primal elements in it and run wild with it. And that's really exciting to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Screecher was great because I was like, oh, man, like I used to I studied literature, you know, as in school. And so I was like, oh, yeah, there's all the staples of an Irish folklore in this and like how crazy that is to have in Star Wars and how good it was and how effective it was. But uh, Janelle, we haven't come to you. You're always the measure because you're our most casual Star Wars fan. So I'm always curious about what you take away from any of this. Yeah, I mean, I feel like everybody has kind of said it perfectly, but I um, I mean, let's just start with this. The trailer alone, if you're watching this trailer and any of it excites you, you're going to like this series. Because when I watched this, I had no clue. Kofi was like, hey, try to check out Visions if you can. And I threw it on and I could not stop watching like it every single episode has something so special about it it's it almost feels like magical to me it's it's really 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 good and you're talking to someone who is not normally a big animation fan and I'm also a casual Star Wars fan and I would say like this is one of my favorite things I've been watching recently so um, I didn't make it all the way through, but I am just like, I'm, I'm loving this. And I feel like anyone who is a casual viewer could love this too, which so many of you just already said, but you kind of wrapped it up perfectly. And I am a fan and I like it. I'm going to be watching all of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, as people say in the comments, too, it, it shows you why representation, we, you know, we have these debates all the time, but it's like, yeah, there is something different when you give it to people from these different cultures and backgrounds and what's so nice about it in a way is it shows how far star Wars has reached with its themes and touched people who have all these thoughts and ideas of what they want to, how they, I think Damon streams is kind of our fan. Damon was joking earlier of how to do a star Wars, right? Like they, everybody has their idea of how to do a star Wars and these show some pretty epic ideas of how to do a star Wars. And uh, yeah, I hope, I hope this is a recruitment tool as well. Like Lucasfilm figuring out how to, you know, tap into some wider markets of storytellers for more than just these animated anthologies, but some bigger projects down the line. So, yeah, I think we can all agree and say check out Star Wars Visions Anthology 1 and Anthology 2. If you haven't seen either of them, definitely check out 2. Uh, I think it's more accessible in some ways because you don't have to be an anime fan because anime kind of always can restrict some people. But um, 
check it out. It's on Disney Plus now, and it's a good time. And as Damon Stream said, yeah, there's also great room for spinouts, and I think we're even getting one. Like the Ronin got like a book or a comic, right, from the first anthology. Yeah, it did. I, I asked the producers about that. They said there's nothing uh, in the works right now, but they do hope that they'll end up being able to do more multimedia tie and stuff to the series. Oh, I would love to see even a team up of certain things if they ever got crazy. Like if Spider-Verse is going across, Spider-Verse is going to get so crazy. <laughs> like I say, might as well do a team up. Like I'd love to see the Ronin and the the painter from Sith and a bunch of other singular characters we saw in those two anthologies just kind of come together and do something that'd be wild. But anyway, that's just me dreaming at this point. Let's move on. So you see this? Did you heard about this? This new series, Citadel. I can't tell yet how many people are, if this is going to be a buzz or is this going to be another Amazon kind of, uh, I don't know, but Amazon threw big money at making their own kind of big James Bond spy espionage thriller. They threw the Russo brothers in as executive producers for the name clout and it's called Citadel. And, uh, Basically, if you haven't seen or heard about this, is they're doing this really ambitious plan where they're creating this kind of whole franchise universe off the bat. There's this core mythology about this super secret heroic spy agency that protected the world. You know, you know, they're all very tropey and familiar, but they're also doing all these spinoff series about various kind of Citadel agents in international territories with international crews and creators and stars. So there will be like, citadels in italy series and citadel in india series and things like that and so they're kind of doing this whole ambitious global franchise play so to do all that though do you need to have an actual thing right so is citadel an actual thing um i reviewed it and i've been kind of doing the reviews for comicbook.com i just kind of threw myself into this and i said you know, basically, this is very familiar spy espionage action territory, pretty much beat for beat. There's nothing really twisted or new about it, for with the exception is there's a sci-fi twist they throw in this that's kind of like weirdly G.I. Joe 2000s movie kind of G.I. Joe stuff. Um, you know, with the high tech suits, there's biometric stuff. There's all this stuff that they kind of add to it, which does help distinguish it a little bit as a its own kind of thing. Um, the two leads, uh, Richard Madden and Priya Chopra, Chopra, uh, Chopra Jonas, they are charming and pretty enough to really carry this show. You have Stanley Tucci kind of anchoring some stuff and you have some kind of scary baseline villains. But like the main cast is, like I said, pretty and charming enough to kind of make it fun when they kind of banter and have scenes together. But yeah, there's a lot of the episodes and it's weird because there's this weird alternation, especially in the premiere episode where the opening sequence and set piece looks like a blockbuster movie and plays like a blockbuster movie. And you're like, wow. And it's like edge of your seat. And that first 20 minutes is pretty thrilling. But then it kind of when it slows down and gets into more of a standard TV show, it looks real TV. As some people are saying in the comments, <laughs> it plays very television-y and you're like, OK, and then there will be like another set piece in an episode that's like back to like a big budget Russo brothers action flick for a minute. And then it's mm. like, okay, now we're back to more standard kind of TV. So it, it is kind of a weird oscillation between the two, but God help me. It is kind of like cheesily entertaining enough for me 
to be loosely hooked into just seeing where this goes over this first season. And if they can really pull off the like larger franchise goals of this. Um, but I feel like it's like Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power in the sense that Amazon's already bet so big on it and spent so much on it that they are pushing this down our throats for at least two seasons before we have any say in whether it continues. But uh, that's just me. What did you guys, did anybody get a chance? Because I threw this at you really late. Because I was like, I, I watched it all about. morning, Kofi. I, <laughs> I woke up, I turned on immediately. And I'm about halfway through episode three. Um, yeah, it's, and, it's a new one today. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm so into it. I am so into this. I love the two leads. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm not really a spy movie person. I don't really get super into it. I like, you know, tech. I like sci-fi. I like fantasy, stuff like that. And I'm actually in this. Like, I don't know how or why. I guess I'm just, um, I, I kind of like, it's like itching that scratch of like the, that kind of like action for me that I haven't been getting from anything else at the moment. And I'm having a blast watching this. Like I couldn't stop watching. Now I know that I, I, you taught me something just now, Kofi. I did not know this was part of a bigger universe or anything. I don't know how that's going to go, but if it was just itself (laughs) and it was just a show by itself chilling, like I I'm about it. I'm really into it and I'm probably going to keep watching this all the way through. And I even like turned to my husband. I was like, you should probably watch this. Like, I feel like you'd be into this. So but I think yeah. I'm really forgiving or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like in one of those moods where I'm just like, I want more <laughs> content again. And I'm just like, yes, more content. <laughs> like, I agree with you though, that I'm not as far as you, um, Yeah, but I agree with you though, that like, for me, I think it's more, I'm kind of looking f- like I don't have a lot of spy espionage stuff right now. Like just that I'm like really into or watching. So this does kind of scratch an itch. And I agree with a lot with Kofi. Like there's not anything like revolutionary about it, but I like it. Like that's okay. Like I don't necessarily have to have that. Um, you know, I, there are some like Quantico vibes I get obviously with Priyanka and I, and I love that show. Um, Stanley Tucci is great in anything. <laughs> so I will, I will kind of always, uh, give him the benefit of the doubt. I like it. Like, I don't, like, I wouldn't say it's like my favorite show ever, you know, but I, but it's I not like appointment. It. It's like not appointment TV, but it is right. Like, yeah. Every week you'll be like, Oh yeah. On Sunday, I should catch up with that or something. Yeah. And I enjoy it. You know, as I leave like, Oh, that was cool. I, I, I like it. And I, I dig spy stuff. Like I edit you. Also, I will say Risa brothers kind of have like, like the gray man also had some of this kind of, you know, that ebb and flow, like there was a lot more money in that, obviously, but I mean, they also threw a lot of money at this, but like the set pieces, Russo set pieces are pretty much always dope. Like I, I enjoy the big stuff. So when the big things hit, they look cool and they get your attention. So I can kind of ignore some of the switch up, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, Hey, this is where most of the budget went. Uh, but that's okay. Cause that thing, kicked while it was going the gray man had some of that too um so and i i enjoyed that as well and i'm looking forward to the sequel of that so i gotta say like uh, i think it it kind of won me over a little bit yeah i mean there's even a big one this week in episode three that i was just like you guys are crazy when you do a set piece like it's just so over the top you guys are like the inheritors of michael bayism like it just it just goes on jamie have you checked out citadel at all 
I haven't. Uh, spy stuff's not really my thing, so I, I didn't even realize this came out this week. Um, but let me oh, tell it's been you, out for two weeks. Yeah, that's oh, why weeks, I was yeah. like, oh yeah, we should probably tell people this is out. This footage we're running with all the deep fakes of the dead dead world leaders is not really uh, wetting my appetite for it. I gotta say, yeah, it's it's they are kind of doing like it's been standard so far, but it, and I'm not spoiling this, but the end of episode like kind of two and three, you begin to learn that what you think is the established mythos is very different and people are not all who you think they are and they're beginning to shake up. And by episode three, there's some like really big kind of reveals about like what is what and who is who and, you know, what's actually going on in these gaps of memory that make it seem like they could actually build an interesting mystery mythos out of this and maybe give us something to write about. So that's why I'm sticking with this series for now. I will <laughs> say right. this trailer, I don't like this trailer. Nobody did. Like, well, compared to what I've seen of the show, I'm like, yeah. this trailer does not. Does and it doesn't not. reflect it really well. Like the no. whole archival footage is like in no yeah. way part of the show. So it's kind of weird. It's just yeah. to sell the concept, but like you didn't need to do that. We all know what a spy, heroic spy agency is. Just be like, you know, G.I. Joe like that. So we could have done that. But um, yeah. All right. We'll keep moving on. But uh, Citadel is now on Amazon Prime Video. The first three episodes are out. It's been out for two weeks. And I'm so interested to see if this one lasts because they are banking on this literally and figuratively. All right. We can do a little Matt stuff. And then I think we'll take a break and come back and do comics and Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So, Matt, this is your moment. Shine. <laughs> well, uh, it's free comic book day, everybody. Woohoo! Uh, very excited. Man, it's a packed, packed week, right? Because we got May the 4th and free comic book day. It's awesome for, for geeks. Uh, oh, so and happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. That too. Yes, very much. Uh, and uh, happy Taylor Swift weekend. I no, guess. I don't know. no, <laughs> no. I yeah, no. down for that. Went too far. Yeah, it's I a Janet. Happy Janet Jackson was in these weekend. streets. Yeah, Nashville's crazy. Janet Jackson was in these streets last night. Taylor Janet's Swift awesome. is out here. Taylor Swift is shutting down the streets today. I have That's to leave true. here soon. We have to get yeah. through this show so I get out of here before Taylor Kobe's Swift gets trapped here. in the studio all weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. It, it's it's and it's a full moon. It's popping off this weekend, guys. <laughs> a full moon. Um. So yeah. So there's a lot. Obviously, there's there's a ton of books out there. Uh, your local comic stores, if you can. It's it's an amazing time to go out, grab some free books, but also they're always having a ton of sales, a ton of kind of giveaways and things. So if you are planning a day, support them. It's awesome. It's a, it's an awesome experience. Um, and so obviously we have a ton of books that are going to be there, uh, but there are a couple that probably deserve a little shine. Uh, one of the big ones, obviously, a, a couple of big ones from the big two. Uh, Marvel's Spider-Man 2 number one is actually a prequel to the upcoming sequel. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you are obviously excited about the next game in that series from Insomniac, you're going to want to you're going to want to pick that up, especially because, hey, it's free. Uh, also, there is a Dawn of DC Night Terrors free comic book day, which tying into what we we actually talked to Joshua Williamson uh, in our bonus round about this book and about uh, the preview and, and things that people will be seeing in that issue. So definitely check that out if you're curious, but you can actually pick that up. Uh, Night Terrors will be their big event that is coming up uh, here pretty shortly uh, in the coming months. Uh, and then also there is, uh, I actually had a chance to to check out uh, Clark and Lex fan club. <laughs> and uh, it's a, it's like a, there's, there are two different actual graphic novels and they're doing a preview of both in this book. And they're like completely 
different, but I can see why they they fit them together, and they're both kind of alternate takes on Batman and Superman. And the Superman one especially is one that like like this is I'm not it's not a a villainous Clark by any means. It's a it's a coming of age story in a way, but it is a Clark and Lex dynamic that we don't really get to see very often. And so that is definitely one if if you can pick it up. I would I would recommend it. Uh, also, for the Power Rangers fans, Ranger Academy is going to have a free comic book day issue. Definitely pick that up from Boom Studios. Uh, Umbrella Academy and The Witcher are going to have a split book for Dark Horse. So definitely check that out. Um, and then uh, I know there's actually a Jamie. Have you uh, looked anything into the Star Trek book that's coming? Um, I, I haven't seen it, but I know it's it's a prequel to. Uh, Day of Blood, which so I talked about this, I think last time it was on the podcast, IDW launched these new, like more or less incontinuity books. And there are two of them and they're going to have the first like Star Trek comics crossover, which is called Day of Blood. And this free comic book day issue is like the prologue issue setting that up. Um, so yeah, I'd highly recommend picking that up. Wow. Star uh, Trek Day of Blood. Oof. Yeah, I know. It's got a, It's got a, Cool cover. To, I'm like, I'm a it's got like for, a Watchmen homage yeah. cover, which is very, very cool. <laughs> um, and then obviously there's a uh, TMNT book that is also hitting uh, Marvel Voices number one. Uh, and then uh, there's a lot of books for kids. And actually, Free Comic Book Day has always been one that um, I'll grab a couple issues uh, and always have them around in case like family <laughs> brings over the kids. And I'm like, hey, I got some comics and I always have them try it out. And a lot of times, half of them hit. Like they're like, oh, this character's great and stuff. So definitely, if you see like, That's there's so going to be a couple cute. in this year's run. Definitely pick some up for when the family comes. Yeah, you'll probably get one. That's a great one. idea, Matt. Yeah, I yeah love definitely. That. And uh, Spidey and his amazing. Um, I always want to say Spidey and his amazing friends. It is Spidey and his amazing friends. Okay, there's a show <laughs> that like changes that up, that title up just a little bit, and it always throws me off. But Spidey and his amazing friends number one is also going to be part of this. Uh, so definitely check that out. But a bunch of different publishers are doing stuff. Uh, I, I encourage people to go out to their shops. It's awesome. Uh, I don't get to do it as often as I as I used to. I used to be an every Wednesday person. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm very excited for this. So yeah, that's free comic book day uh, roundup. And then let's move into some WWE. So this Saturday is Backlash. Actually, the press conference for WWE Backlash is happening right now. Uh, and starting off with Rhea Ripley uh, and Zelina Vega. And so they're over in Puerto Rico, and we got Bad Bunny <laughs> in a match Bad against Bunny. Damian Priest. Um, and uh, we've also got, of course, the biggest match on the card, which is Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar. Uh, that one is kind of you know looked at as the first big step, big challenge in what many are hoping to be an eventual rematch against Roman Reigns. Uh, people are still spicy about how WrestleMania 39 ended. Uh, we had a chance, I had a chance to talk to Cody Rhodes about this, which you can find on the Comic Book Nation channel. And, uh, you know, he's, he's taking things in stride. There's a new title in the mix. He just got drafted back to Raw. So he's got a lot going on, but this is really the first major step towards what reports are saying is on the table for WrestleMania 40's main event, which would be the actual rematch. And if they push that out to a year, man, that is that is as impressive if they pull it off. Um, so yeah, so that's the big thing. Obviously, there's big titles on the line as well. Bianca Belair is defending her Raw Women's Championship against Io Sky. Uh, Rhea Ripley is defending her SmackDown Women's Championship against Selena Vega. And the LWO 
I got to give some LWL love there. Uh, I don't see any titles changing hands unless it's the United States Championship, which is between Austin Theory, Bobby Lashley, and Bronson Reed. Um, that's the only title I could see changing hands. The other two, I don't, I don't know if they – EO Sky versus Bianca Belair is going to be – fire because those two have produced amazing things in nxt beforehand so this is going to be a killer match i just don't know if any titles will switch hands but we'll see uh and then i've got an article that uh i think i looked at some facebook reactions and i think it drew some some divisiveness i i was i talked about how like who won the draft of night one now i wasn't on for night two so i didn't write a follow-up uh because I figured like I'd stay out of that fray. Uh, but looking at the overall draft, I would be interested. I did a poll for night one. I probably need to go ahead and do a poll for both of them. Uh, but I am curious what people think of like who won the draft complete now that we have Monday Night Raw and SmackDown's draft locked after Backlash. Uh, I think SmackDown came away the most complete roster. And with uh, the NXT people they did call up will make like immediate impacts. So I think it was it was SmackDown. Now, I cover SmackDown for us, so maybe I'm a little biased. But like, I, I still think looking at all the overall rosters, I still think they won. But I'd be excited to hear what people think. I should probably throw up another poll. Uh, so yeah, so Backlash this Saturday, we will be covering it from beginning to end and everything in between. So uh, definitely check out the site. And uh, yeah, there we go. Boom, boom. All right, Matt. Thank you for all of that. That was Matt's stuff. As we call that, <laughs> that's literally what it's called in the layout, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I'm not lying. To people. <laughs> it's literally uh, bad stuff. stuff. <laughs> we never know. Uh, I've tried. I've stopped trying to predict or give official titles to your stuff. It, it works, but it can be a cornucopia of different things. It's it could be a true. Law and Order. It could be a Power Rangers. It could be a wrestling. Oh man! Speaking of <laughs> the the tease last night, the another we're getting another crossover next week, baby. Oh, I'm so excited for Law Organized and Order. Are you talking week. about? All right, there you go. So, see, Matt stuff. Now we're going to take a break, let you digest all that Matt stuff. And when we come back, we are going to talk about the new comics of the week and give you our full discussion of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So be sure to stick around for all of that. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. (music) 
It has been quite some time since our intro music scared the living crap out of me, but here we are. All <laughs> oh, right, no. we're back. It's Comic Book Nation. <laughs> I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me are my co-hosts, Matthew Aguilar, Janelle Wheeler, and Jamie Lovett. And today we have been discussing the new Star Wars Visions 2 anthology. Plus, we also talked about the new Amazon Prime action spy series, uh, Citadel, and we got some Matt stuff in the form of free comic book day announcements and a WWE backlash preview. Now, for the second half of the show, we are going to be talking about the new comic books we are reviewing this week, plus doing our full review rundown of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. But like we said, we're going to be talking about Guardians and kind of spoilers, so we're going to wait till the end. Now, it's time to talk about comics, Matt. What did we have this week? Oh, well, we're starting with the uh, the biggest one, which uh, Kofi was on uh, top of that issue from the get-go. He was like, we are talking about this. <laughs> uh, Batman 900 or 135, uh, depending on the numbering there that you're looking at. Uh, but Batman 900 ends this you know, current Chip Zdarsky arc, but is so much more than just a conclusion to a story and it feels like literally this we we're gonna get into spoilers right spoilers are fine yeah yeah i can talk over there okay so um did this like outflash the flash (laughs) (laughs) like this uh we got multiversal crossings over of ever like so many batman universes and different versions of the joker and and i mean geez batman beyond batman 89 uh, oh, I have a full list somewhere. I, I wrote up a full list. Dark Knight a, Returns. Uh, yeah. You know, like oh Gotham God, by this... Gaslight. Yes. Um, Blood in what you call it, the Dracula, famous Doug Monique, Black Dracula Batman sixty six. Which oh my yeah. God, that might have been my favorite freaking Batman sixty six saves the day. <laughs> Shark repellent, baby. Oh my God, I lost my yeah, mind. Yeah, it, it's pretty. Uh, there's hey, so on, much to this, and and okay, all here's the list. Too... I got yeah, the list right here. In oh, order, yeah, okay. it is Batman 89, Batman from Batman and or, or the Earth 43 from Batman and Dracula Red Rain with the Vampire Joker, Super Friends Batman, Batman the Animated Series Batman, uh, Batman from the Arkham City games, Batman Beyond, oh, yeah, Golden right. Age, Golden Age, Batman and Robin, Batman Gotham by, Ga- uh, Gotham by Gaslight, Kingdom Come, Bruce Wayne, Batman 66, The Dark Knight Returns, and there was one in there with a silver armor that I couldn't quite identify. And I forget who that is, but uh, that's the only one that I'm confused about, man. So, and yeah. And the thing is like any good, like, I mean, especially the, the way it's all woven together. Like, yes, the, the cool shots of like universes you recognize is great. Right. But especially like the way that like Arkham Batman is worked in, you know, like his Joker was gone, but now he's back and he's like, like the way the the story is told about how some of these Batman were able to kind of move on with their lives after their Joker was gone and now confronted with everything they lost in those battles for not because he's back because of what Red Mask is doing. Like, yeah, we got to start. You're going, told. you're going way in. It's so cool. We got to. Well, okay, here's the thing. If you don't so like coming in this is not a new reader friendly no so my assumption is that either a you you had to read it (laughs) or you kind of kept up with the other things this is not as perfectly fair 
Yeah. I just so, want to sell it for the people who are listening and maybe because we are trying to sell these comic books a little bit here. Um, so can I, I'll just do a quick I'll steal. Himself. Oh, no, I'm just saying I'm just going to steal. I'm going to steal from the ringer verse and do like a quick blazing rundown of what we're talking about. So you can so you can run wild. Basically, we've been reading a story where Batman got sent to an alternate Earth where he there was never a Bruce Wayne died. There was never a Batman. So things developed very differently. This Earth had a crime boss who was called Red Mask, who was revealed to be a version of the Joker who never went insane. So in this final chapter, Red Mask is trying to send his mind back across the multiverse to the Joker from Batman's world so he can learn how to truly achieve, you know, unlock full power energy by going insane like the Joker did. Instead, he finds out that in some weird timey-wimey kind of back to the future loop that he is the reason the Joker goes insane. And so it starts this whole multi-chase across the multiverse where he's going across the multiverse creating more and more Jokers or making Jokers that exist even crazier and darker and weirder. And that is where Matt is picking up. So that's your catch Yes. Now, where I, where I, my issues with the book are in that... <laughs> In the necessarily the execution of that particular side of this premise, there is a little like it's a little it's a little clunky in how it gets from point to point. And there's also a part of me that's like, why the hell would he want like I still don't really understand or reconcile like his actual reasoning for doing all this. Like there's still pieces of that that don't really click for me. So that part I actually kind of like eh, but but I I can gloss over it if all the other parts work well and so the things that we get to in it I think pay off well and I think are I can overlook some of those things and and especially stuff they do towards the end here so I think it's a really it's a big spectacle issue but it's also telling it's trying to tell a really interesting personal story and it also kind of subverts the I like that they address the whole thing. We've seen the Batman is the real catalyst for villains. We've seen like the evil starts with Batman and I'm kind of tired of that. Right. And I like that they subvert that a bit. And I like that they address it even like Batman references that in this issue. Like I, I dealt with that years ago. So I like that we don't do that and we don't repeat. There is a little clunkiness in how we get here, but I think the payoff is excellent. And I think it's an issue that even if you haven't been keeping up with it, you're going to be a little lost at times. You just are. But I think oh, yeah. it's probably worth it because I think ultimately by the end, you'll be like, okay, I still dug that. I still liked what I saw. Uh, but this, it's a lot. And, and I'm curious. We didn't keep up with this issue to issue. I think we actually fell off after like the second part to the story. Um, so, you know, what did you guys think of this overall? And was it worth it to you? I, I think this is my least favorite overall Chip Zdar Zdarsky story we've seen from Batman. Um, I loved The Night. We've gone on and on about that. Yeah, I liked Failsafe a whole lot because of how efficient that was in telling a good story that referenced both Bruce Wayne's personality, you know, connected to Tower of Babel, a classic DC story that's all about Batman and the way he works and thinks, and subverted all of that with this android and even brought in the Batman of Zer and R that made that a little more interesting to show this character that that persona had its history, had created this android, had done all this other stuff. And now we know from this issue's confusing as hell ending, but cool ending, that that was all sowing seeds for something bigger that's coming 
about the Batman of Zuranar and like what he's been up to and like what his real designs are and all of that. But, um, you know, milestone issues tend to be these really kind of contemplative, reflective looks at a character in their journey and all of that and the years they've been through because that's the point of it, right? Hey, we're at 900, you know, what all did it take to get here and what have we been through and, you know, all that. So you usually do have these, you know, you usually have it be both the end of a story and sometimes they get clunky and they do a lot of backup stories that are more reflective stories after you do the first action pack thing you were looking for and it's like 25, 30 pages tops and then the rest of the, you know, 70 pages are just, you know, reflective stories. But this one, I think it's ambitious that Zdarsky goes for a combination of these two things at once, like a Chris Nolan movie, almost like there are these heady kind of conceptual ideas we're exploring, but there is this base action we're following. This is essentially a cop robber chase across, you know, and, you know, the policeman's after the crook, but there's all these other kind of heady sci-fi high concepts laid on top of it. So it very much is a Chris Nolan movie and like a Chris Nolan movie, it's, it's usually, it, it, it's kind of an oil vinegar balance that slides around and looks pretty. But when you start to examine some of it, cause I had to write spin outs for this and it was trying to explain this when I was trying to like convey it in just the written word was just like absurd. And I was just, I had to find like, go back and look at the issue very carefully and get like all the terminology points I needed to stick on that people would understand and be like, okay, this is what's happening. But um, yeah, it is this kind of larger concept of who Batman is and the Joker relationship. And we've seen that examined so many ways, but this is a different way of doing it. Um, some people are already kind of getting mad because the Joker, for all those people who love the Joker, is not explained and doesn't have the reason for being the Joker. This now is probably the most comic booky version of how the Joker became the Joker, which is a guy from another multiverse invaded his mind and drove him insane and then made a bunch of other Jokers do the same thing across the multiverse. So that's pretty wild and out there. Um yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how people react to that over time or how long that gets to sit as a yeah. official kind of canonized version of this story. Um, and it doesn't help us with all the other Jokers that have been running around DC in the last couple of years. I mean, we've had the three Jokers. We have two different Jokers and the man who stopped laughing right now on the East Coast, West Coast Joker we got. Like, it, it's getting a little out of hand with the Joker stuff. But um I think it was cool of seeing the cool parts for me and this issue had a lot of highlights were seeing Batman working with other Batman and seeing them all be like smart enough to be like, okay, this is crazy, but I do understand what's happening there. Like there's none of that. Like, who are you and where you come from? They're like, Oh yeah. yeah, you're me from somewhere else. I love the Batman pitching in and helping him. Like, uh, who is it? Dark Knight Returns. Batman builds him another hand. Yeah. Adam West gives him the utility belt because he's like, Batman's got to have a utility belt. And you can almost hear it in his so voice. Good. Such a good moment. Um, he's there's an chum. ending. Yeah. <laughs> there's an ending to this at the end of the multiverse that makes no damn sense. I can't explain it to this moment. Like, they reach the end of the multiverse and then there's Joker sharks. And it's all just a setup for Batman to save the day using you know, bat shark repellent from the stupid 66 movie that Chip Zdarsky obviously loves. And we all love a classic and, movie and okay. wants to fit in somewhere and make that cool. I know mean, oh, it was great. I watched that a million times, but yes, yes. We're, if you're hearing this, we're talking about Joker sharks. That is a thing in this book. This book is wild. 
like one of the most wild books I think I've ever read. And there's even something that's like breaking the internet with an awesome Batman Robin moment that is just break, melting people's hearts. And Tim Drake even gets a moment to shine in this. So there's a lot that's pulled off. A lot of it that's just crazy, confusing, and inexplicable when you really kind of pull back and look at it. But again, that's a Chris Nolan movie. And we love those. So this was this was pretty good and possibly the most exciting part of the whole Batman of Gotham storyline for me. So Janelle, I know at one point you were you were a little burned out on Batman. And then this issue gives you like 9,000 of them. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you how are you feeling? How are you feeling about this? Um okay. Mixed mixed emotions because this is clearly like a very special issue. Like this is this is really like undeniably incredible. But I am confused, like you said. Some people may be a little confused. I I there were definitely moments of sheer confusion. Like, do not know what's happening. How did this happen? I don't understand. Um, but I the overall feeling is I'm so glad I experienced this and, and I'm good on Batman again for about like, if, you know, a month here, I'm good on Batman like this. I got my Batman fill, but like, I'm glad, but I am glad I read it. I am. I just, uh, I, I honestly am like kind of like mad at myself for not, knowing all of these different versions because I don't know if I could truly appreciate it the way that some people really, really could. Obviously, like I recognize some of the most mainstream, like I'm getting TV Batman and like all of these, like clearly, but I know like that dude with the spikes on his face, like, or like the really scary one. If you go down to the bottom of this, there's this like really scary looking Batman creature thing. I don't know what it is. Like, I, I kind of wish I knew all of these Batman. So I don't know. It's like a double edged sword, Matt. I, it's so hard for me to say, cause like I want to know all these Batman, but I'm also kind of burned out on Batman. So I don't know. I it's, it's weird. It's like a bittersweet emotion. Um, but I am glad you, you guys had me read it. I also couldn't find it. I was like searching it. <laughs> I'm like, uh, Matt. Legacy numbering. <laughs> I was like, what is this? I can't find 900. I was like, I put 900 in, not even thinking that it was labeled 135. It's so funny. But I'm like, just legacy numbers getting out of control. Uh, Jamie, did you have a chance to look at this or no? No, I didn't get a chance to read this. I did a. Um... I'm glad we spoiled it all for you. No, it's fine. <laughs> I did a, a classic oh, me thing no. where I started, I was really excited. I started reading this new run of Batman with Zdarsky and the current Detective Comics run. And then when I realized they were both like clearly referencing and building on what Grant Morrison did in their run, I was like, I should go back and reread all of that before I read this. Oh, God. <laughs> so I went and got like all three of the omnibuses, which are amazing. And I have them now. And because I've been so busy with other things, I have not even started reading them. And so now I'm way behind oh, on God. all the Batman stuff. Uh, so I played myself, basically. So I, we'll see uh, you next year. Congratulations. Right. Yeah, we'll have you on the show next year when you finish all of it and you're up to <laughs> you're Fingers up to crossed. <laughs> um, we'll move real quick uh, into our well, other Well, I just want to say shout out Pup Dog okay. Comics for some, some funny comments. Uh, yes. The Batman who laughs is just what real billionaires look like when no one's looking. 
Oh, also, man. the uh, we heard you like Batman, so we put Batman in your Batman, so you can Batman while you Batman was a that's a top tier comment. Top tier comment of the week. Thank you, Pup Dog Comics. All right, moving right <laughs> um, along, Matt. Yeah, we're moving into a uh, Groot. I Groot number one. Uh, this one, obviously, Guardians is here. Makes sense that we get a Guardians related project. Uh, I. I've been a little, I mean, we talked about Guardians actually, what, two weeks ago, last week, uh, last about week. their new ongoing. Um, so, I mean, it makes sense while this is hitting. I saw Dan Abnett and my ears perked up because I will pretty much read anything that Dan Abnett does. And also, especially if it is Guardians related, because that is when I fell in love with Guardians. So uh, I wanted to see, and, and it doesn't hurt that there's a, look, there's Marvel, there's Cree. Okay, like you're you're really speaking Matt's language here, and I and I enjoyed this issue a lot actually. I I didn't really know what to expect of it, and it's it's not really the group book. I like you I don't know. Right I, there. I, no, no, full stop. There you go. Yeah, it's not yeah, really a group book. <laughs> there you go. Oh. It's not really a group book. It's it's a Marvel book. It's a Cree book, and it has Groot in it, and so. For for that it's it's interesting, but it's not it it's not bad either. I I know this is probably coming off as like I didn't like it. Like I did, but I just did not it, it wasn't at all what I expected, and it wasn't really the book it seems to be pitched to be. So I'm curious to see if like Groot actually becomes a bigger part in other issues. Otherwise, it really should have been labeled Marvel the book instead of Groot the book. Uh what did you guys think? Um, I'm kind of with you, like it started interestingly enough looking at planet X and seeing, you know, cause this is a Groot origin story about how he first became like a hero and they are retconning and tying in things like Marvel and Yon Rog and Yondars in the next issue. And so yeah. they're throwing in these familiar characters, explain how Groot became Groot. But like you say, the book takes a first issues, like we always say on the show are very important. And this one takes such a sudden shift because you could do a Groot book, that is mostly pictures and action and, and, you know, like one of those Marvel silent issues, but with, you know, I am Groot thrown in. Um, and so that's how it kind of begins. It's like teeth. And I don't think I ever realized that their names were just like parts of plants with G thrown in front. I don't think I've ever put that together until this book. So oh I was today God. years old that I realized it's just G root and like, there's like G leaf and gleef and the other people. And I was like, okay. Um, so I'm dumb, but um, tweaking, moving right along. Tweaking, I'm having yeah. this moment right now, Kofi, if, like, if, if not for you. It's just because they're real G's. <laughs> Pub.com is going to make me lose. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so this is, uh, I mean, so it, it shifts and it is interesting to see like a kind of early Marvel in his early relationship with Jan Rug, but it's like at the same time, is that what I signed up for? Right. And is that what I'm coming here for? And it's like, I feel like James Gunn has stamped something on the Guardians so firmly that now Marvel Comics constantly feels like they need to recreate that somehow. So like we're getting a Star Lord, even though there is no Star Lord, we just have Marvel kind of playing that role of like slash Rocket slash Star Lord person who's trying to talk to Groot and is kind of a kind of a bumbling planner in this one. He nearly blows everybody up to save things. So it's kind of a weird thing. And and I hope they just in further issues really just leaning into this being a Groot book and making it that and just even if you have to have more appearances and cameos to make him interact with people. I hope we get 
like into it because I think there are some interesting things you could do with this character. Even if you just were using limited dialogue, there's plenty of right. visual action and stuff you can still do. Absolutely. Janelle, what do you think? <laughs> the reaction says it all, even though I can't hear you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm actually, I'm so interested in where this is going to go. I, it's so hard to even really like, review this because you're completely correct. It's not Groot's story yet. Um, but I do have full faith that it will pan out. Like I love, I love these stories of kind of like telling you how like an origin story. I love an origin story, especially as like kind of a noob in understand, you know, reading comics because there are many questions. Like I have no idea how Groot became our hero Groot. Like I, I, there, so I, I feel like there is a need for it, at least for me. Um, but yeah, obviously, like, I don't know where it's going. I also am not very familiar with Marvel, So um, so that's good for me, too, to understand this character. So I, I feel like it's just a different it's a, it means something different from me. And I am actually really happy that I got to read it. And I am hoping to continue to See. read them because I do want to know where this is going like really bad also i just want to like hold these little baby creatures <laughs> and it is so heart-wrenching between this and then the super girl like the these yeah these little these little little things uh having their families or homes being ripped away like it's just hurting my soul it's very hard for me uh do me a favor janelle read. wheeler yeah. Film us a reel when you come out of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I'm so scared. I am so scared. I just want to just curious. Just I see haven't been able to watch this it. yet. So I just, yeah, I, it, my birthday's on Monday and I'm like, I just got to get back to Nashville so I could go see Guardians of the Galaxy. But um, yeah, please don't spoil it for me, guys. <laughs> um, I'm well, not, but I just want to see how you feel. So make sure you do us like a live reaction when you come out. We, we'd love oh my to see God. That. Fans would love to see that. Great. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Matt, you're about to say something. Oh, yeah. Just uh, quick mentions. Um, Moon Knight number 23 uh, is a fantastic Moon Knight Venom team up that I didn't know I needed, <gasps> but I did. Ooh, and that, that, that book ruled. Uh, Radiant Black 24. If you've been keeping up with Radiant Black, it's, it's an excellent series. But they actually did something really cool at the end of this one. And so there's a way to essentially vote on who will continue with the mantle of radiant black moving forward and it's literally in the hands of fans and you know that's obviously something that votes in comics go back a ways <laughs> uh, this one hopefully will be less dramatic than the last one uh you know but uh but this is super cool uh and then mighty Morphin power rangers teenage Mutant ninja turtles number five was the finale of that series uh, just ridiculous fun but also left things a little open-ended so maybe there's a third Hey, hey, ho, ho. So maybe you should go you should go read that just in case. Uh, but yeah, lots of cool comics this week. And that is comics. Matt, show no love, but I'll show some love to uh, Carnage Reigns with our boy Miles Morales going up against Cletus Cassidy, who's gone full Freddy Krueger nightmare mm -hmm. on Elm Street, which was an interesting thing to see. That was another interesting developing comics Ooh. this week. And that was a pretty brutal issue with Miles and Matt Gargit Scorpion going up against Cletus Cassidy and his new Extrembiote powers which are pretty gnarly 
like I said, he's gone full Freddy Krueger, which Yo. is which is interesting. So oh, cool. that's comics, and uh, now is the part where half of you can get out of here if you're watching the live stream and you haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy three yet. Janelle, that includes you if you no. want. You can, <laughs> I'm going to watch you guys spoilers. on mute. <laughs> okay, we're going to talk full spoilers about Guardians of the Galaxy 3. We're not going out to spoil everything, but we're going to talk about the film, honestly. Jamie and I got to go to the same screening and see it. So we've seen it. Uh, Matt, you jumping in this or are you? Uh, are you I haven't seen it yet, but I'm but I'm fine. I can participate. I'm gonna I'm gonna run away because this is very important to me. So I <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't want you to be spoiled. Rest of the show, I'll yep. be in the Happy. chat with mute. You guys can chat to me. Everybody, in the chat. Uh, in there. since we won't have a time before next week, everybody say happy birthday to Janelle Wheeler. Oh, and, uh, thank you. Yeah, we'll see you next Yay. week when you're a year older, uh, like fine wine. So yes, love it. Thank you. Remember, yeah. There's instant reactions to Guardians. We're going to need to see that when you come out. All right. So, woof, she has no idea what she's in for. Now that she's gone, she has no idea what she's in for. Poor Janelle, you sweet summer child. It's uh, If you are attached to fuzzy things, this is not the movie for you. Um, people are mad, mad out here already. You can see the controversy kind of already starting and with good reason um guardians of the galaxy 3 i gave you guys my review last week i've had a week to kind of digest it i would give it a solid four stars i think it's only beat out by the first guardians which i gave like a 4.5 stars i think i gave it a four at the time i believe i did review that for screen rant somebody looked that up did i do that for screen rant i believe i did guardians of the galaxy review screen rant anyway i would now give guardians of the galaxy one a 4.5 i'm less of a hater i think seeing what James Gunn has done as a filmmaker since then uh, makes me appreciate it more. And I would give this one a four and I think I'd give the second one a 3.5. So they're all pretty close, but I, I think this one is between the first and the third. And I know Jamie had different rankings because we talked about it when we came out of theater, but I'm going to let him go on that journey. But um, this one I think is a lot more last Jedi than people want to, people don't want to invoke that word, but I am going to, I'm getting the ball running. This one is like, a lot more Last Jedi than it is Force Awakens and is definitely not Rise of Skywalker. So let's just put that out there. <laughs> but it does things that you did not expect from this franchise and deals with themes and characterizations and things that you didn't really expect in a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. That some of it is very much in line with what you like for this franchise, but there's all these other asides and scenes and moments that are far more kind of like serious, complex, very much adult. We wrote an article, is this movie for kids? And I'm going to do that old Chappelle show intro. Better not bring your kids because this is definitely not a kid's movie um, by any stretch. There are some particularly emotionally brutal things in this and some physically horrific things that happen, especially in the climax which I don't even know how they did that for a Marvel Disney movie, but there is a shot of a person who's had their face like horror movie style, like ripped off. And it is a pretty gruesome thing. And they shout out to the makeup artist. James Gunn has never been, you know, too, too shabby about working with good makeup artists and stuff. But um, yeah, it's pretty gruesome. So there is, I mean, in the tone of it and the, and the way it plays is even different and more somber than you'd ever expect. Like the opening song choice is so much different it's radiohead creep and it's rocket taking a slow walk and this very slow somber kind of sad walk around nowhere and seeing everybody 
and people aren't so happy or okay, right? Like people are down and dealing with stuff, which is appropriate to the time and the process this movie's been through. But again, it's not the same as the rollicking openings to the other two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, it's also like Last Jedi in the sense that this is a very much a chase movie. Uh, like it, it's just a race against the clock movie like that movie was, which was something else I didn't expect because it feels a little bit more. And in that way, it feels a little bit more episodic. It reminded me of like the first Battlestar Galactica episode, 22 minutes, like, uh, which is still one of my favorite sci-fi episodes ever. But um, it, it's kind of like that. It's about you can't rest because you're on this ticking clock and you're trying to outrun an enemy. In this case, they're trying to outrun a problem of rocket you know, dying and they need to get this stuff to save him. But um, so that was also very unexpected, but um, I liked the weird ways of the unexpected things. I even liked the Adam Warlock in the way that James Gunn, I talked about this on the more raw secretive podcast X that I do, you know, my full explicitness. And I was just saying, I feel like there is a certain element of this movie where it is James Gunn knowing he's not, he's done with Marvel. He's done with this cinematic universe. He's been through all the crap, both on screen and off, whether it's his characters getting played with in weird ways in the Avengers movies or all the things he had to go through with the firing and the rehiring. And so there is some part of this element I f of this movie I feel like is mean in a kind of mean spirited way um, of saying, like, I don't I know you all still care about all this, but I don't anymore. And so I'm going to have my fun with it and I'm going to be out of here. Like there is, this is not a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. It is very much just the end of the Guardians trilogy. And it doesn't really care about uh, except for kind of making fun of the larger connections or the things that happen when Chris Pratt's Star Lord's like trying to recap what happened in Endgame and Infinity War. Um, the Adam Warlock thing, I think, is intentionally kind of just a thumb, like a middle finger to fans who have been like so hardcore about this character. And when is he coming and all this stuff? And Gunn essentially just plays him like a joke. Uh Thank you. I did give uh, the first one four out of five stars. I love our fan. Chris Chipperson, you're the best. Thank you. Um, so uh, I'm remembering things still semi-correctly. But um, yeah, and so there's a lot of this that I think is just James Gunn blowing up his own Marvel status in a way and just doing what he wants in, to the point where he's dropping F-bombs. Like I said, there's the gory horror James Gunn moments in this all over the place, like cute little animals getting horribly murdered and things like that. Like this is super slither James Gunn we're seeing kind of come through again. And I enjoyed it that this is in some ways the most James Gunn of these movies. Um, and, I, and I think that makes it something that I'll go back years later and keep watching this particular one and, and enjoying it. That said, there are some throwaway things. It is very indulgent, like in time and some of the sequences and set pieces they go through to essentially just go on this kind of quest and um, yeah, I still overall don't know if I'm cool with like where the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going in the multiverse saga because none of this seems to connect. And this movie now puts a lot more weight on both Secret Invasion and the Marvels about like, what are we doing on the cosmic side? And does Marvel actually have like a cosmic universe vision and plan? Because... I was discussing it with the old, my old buddies from the screen rant crew. And I was like, we've been doing this. We were re kind of reflecting about when we started covering this movie, when guardians one was in development and getting excited by like, this is it. Marvel cosmic Thor, you know, guardians. It's like, it's all happening in phase two, Thor, the dark world. Guardians. And it's still, it just feels like Marvel has shown us like little set pieces 
of mm-hmm. alien worlds or ships or this thing, but the larger kind of cosmic of it all in the connections or something that could lead to like an annihilation event or something feels so far off still. And even with the high evolutionary in this movie, it doesn't, they give you throwaway lines that James Gunn is, you know, obligated to say like, Oh, high evolutionary created X, Y, and Z species, including the sovereign. Bet you didn't know that. Oh, I also created these people Bet you didn't know that, but it doesn't really factor in or matter into the larger cosmic sense or whatever big upheavals are coming with the scrolls and the Cree and post blip cosmos. Like none of these movies, not Thor love and thunder, not this movie. None of them have really kind of done that. So I'm still wondering, cause we all thought like in this next phase with the multiverse of it all, there was going to be like a, a big cosmic element and a big earth element. And it's just like the cosmic stuff still feels so small to me. So that's my other criticism. I've gone on at length. Jamie, what did you think? I mean, I I like this movie a lot. Uh, I think some of the things you're talking about actually are why I liked it. I like that it doesn't doesn't seem to care one bit about the rest of the MCU. One of the things I, I disliked actually was that, you know, it has to deal with Infinity War and Endgame because Gamora is essentially a different character in this movie. Uh, that bugged me a little bit, but other than that, I like this because it feels... It's a mix of you're out in space with all this cool cosmic alien stuff, but it's a really intimate story. It's about these characters. The Guardians movies are might be the only Marvel movies that actually make me feel something beyond like, wow, that was cool. Beyond like simple, like blockbuster level, you know, awe and spectacle, that kind of thing. Um, you're right. It's got a really different tone. That That opening scene, you know, I watched the other movies before I watched this one. That opening scene feels like a deliberate contrast to, you know, group dancing around at the beginning of Guardians 2. Um, and yeah, and I like that this feels like an ending. The The ending gives context to everything else that came before. I like Rocket's arc that he, you know, is coming to terms with himself, that he's becoming the hero of his story. I also, one of my favorite subplots, just, it, it's not, it's barely commented on, but just, Rocket coming to enjoy Peter Quill's music is one of my favorite things because that's like, that's how friendship works. Like you get to know somebody and you get to start appreciating their taste in music. And you don't see that a lot in these superhero movies because usually it's like, we are friends because we are comrades in arms who have battled the Chitauri or whatever. Uh, And this isn't that. This is just they got to know each other and he realized, oh, this earth music is uh, actually pretty cool. so yeah, I like that a lot. I, I had my, pro, the, like, I don't think, I feel like the Adam Warlock, my take on that was less antagonistic and more like, it feels like he was an idea he had from a di- for a different version of what this movie was going to be that changed by the time he actually got around to making this movie. And then he couldn't like, you can't take Adam Warlock out because you teased it in the second movie. Uh, so he feels a little like like a vestige vestigial like vestigial the vestigial there we go limb to me i don't know and how then, i knew that <laughs> <laughs> i just blanked there for a minute um oh but God. like the, the depiction of him i mean warlock doesn't start off as super wise in the comics and you know the guardians of the galaxy video game played him a little bit as a joke too it it still works he, he's he's designed to be the perfect man but he has none of the actual experience of what it means to be a person. So like the characterization makes sense and he's still super powerful. 
Uh, he just probably didn't need to be there. But yeah, I love this movie. I, I thought some of the pacing stuff was weird. I thought I don't need there to be like a nebula Star Wars ro- Star Lord romance, but I thought it was weird that they like planted that seed early in the movie and then did not reference it at all by the time it came to the end. This so is there, really there's little pacing things that are off, but otherwise I really I, liked it a lot. I want to st- I want to go back to that because I had the same debate with my buddy Ben Kendrick on Podcast X, and we were talking. He was really thrown by that too. I took that scene to be an awkward kind of romanticized joke because it's in a moment where Gamora, where Peter Quill's like pouring his heart out, trying to tell Gamora who she used to be and how he, which is some of the funniest comedy in the movie and, and why, and he, and it's the old trope. Like if he can just tell her, she'll find her way back to that person. But this version of Gamora is very happy being who she is. And she's a ravager now. And she's like, and I was just writing up right now, like the scene where, Gunn's wife makes a cameo as this administrator in this headquarters, the high evolutionary. And there's a whole scene where Peter's like, you know, I'm going to use my charm. And she's like, you're not going to charm this woman. And he's like, but he's like, Gamora's threatening her with a gun. And he's like, you're not going to do that. You're like a hero. You're a good person. You care about people. And she like blasts a hole in her leg. And then like Jennifer Holland's like screaming her head off. Or her leg has like a bloody flaming hole in it. And then Peter Quill's like, oh my God. <laughs> and Gamora's like, tell me what you know. And she's like torturing her. Um, but that was like some of the best comedy. So that scene with Nebula, I go back to say, is like Peter pouring his heart out. And then he goes, she looks at him and she just goes, you know, that doesn't sound like me. It sounds more like her. And she points to Nebula. And it's like that crazy kind of awkward where you've never, and I'm sure like there are millions of people who like this, like if your wife or significant other ever had a sister and you never, ever thought about that until somebody said, sometimes even your wife or significant other said something awkward, like like oh, something about, look at my sister in this different way. And you're like, oh, oh, like, uh, what? And like, and it was that kind of moment. And then Peter Quills tries to say something like, I've never noticed how black your eyes are. And she's like, what are you talking about? And so I thought it was a throwaway gag, but it really did bother people. Like that was one it, of the things. It, it wasn't that part. It was the part at the beginning where Nebula is putting drunk Quill to oh. bed. It's the part where she lingers there for a moment and seems to, it it might be that I'm reading the scene wrong. It might be just that she's feeling pity for him because Gamora isn't there, but it it comes off, at least came off to me as a little bit of longing. Like, I wish you would think of me that way. And that's why it felt like they were planting that early and it never actually came to anything, but it's possible I'm misreading the intent. No, I think you're right. Now that that scene, I think I did also start thinking like, are there going to be a Nebula star Lord romance in this? Like, yeah, that would be weird. Nobody needs that. And thank God they abandoned that. If there was ever a version of that, you don't need to tell me about it. Just keep, but by the way, Nebula is great in this movie, kind of filling in the role that Gamora might've played like in the past two movies. Um, She's great. Karen Gill, I've loved Karen Gillan ever since she was on Doctor Who. She's a great actress. Yeah. And I feel like she really got to like chew some scenery with Nebula in this one, which is a lot of fun. Oh, um, there's some, yeah. Uh, I'll also add, uh, uh, I thanked Brandon Davis for asking James Gunn about the, the variant Gamora and realizing that he almost killed Gamora in the second movie. So the fact that that was a thing on his mind did make me feel a little bit better about Gamora like getting switched up in this movie that it wasn't a complete like he had to change his whole story because of infinity war or anything yeah yeah that was a good i mean brandon davis got that that was a good scoop so shout out to brandon davis and phase zero for that scoop uh he talked to james gunn and the guardians cast and got some interesting things you guys should check out on uh, comicbook.com marvel 
Um, all right, I think we can nitpick this film together, but we got to wrap this up. Uh, are you interested to see? I did an article about what happened to the survivors of Guardians of the Galaxy. Spoiler: It's all of them. They all survive. But what comes next is interesting. Uh, the movie makes only one clear promise, which is the legendary Star Lord will return uh, after Peter Quill goes back to Earth. But we also see Rocket form a new Guardians of the Galaxy with Groot. Craglin, Cosmo, and uh, Fa- uh, I, I'm the other Marvel character, Philavel, um, and Adam Warlock. So <laughs> there is a whole new Guardians team out there. Yeah, it's weird how she comes into it, though. She's just oh, I, like this kid on the high evolutionary ship. There's a whole ending scene with a bunch of children he's been developing, and she's one of the like power children. So she's like the leader of the children, and she joins them after she bonds with them during the final final kicks all kinds of ass so i'm okay with that do you think we'll see some kind of new form of the guardians franchise kind of relaunch with this new team jamie or do you think we'll just see them kind of pop in i mean i hope they do i hope they do something like that because like i love space opera stuff obviously star trek star wars all that stuff so i hope to see that continue i can't no offense to anyone involved. I can't imagine them building a film series around that group of characters. None of them have quite the same presence as the current Guardians team. I mean, Bradley Cooper does a great job as Rocket, but he'd be working with a, a you know, a, a dog, a CGI dog, a CGI a tree, tree. Uh, you a know, child Craglin. actress. You know, it's fine. And I expect that they will show up in places, but I doubt we'll see a movie built around them. I'm not really like, if I were to pick a spinoff movie from this, Star-Lord would have been like way down on the list. But uh, I guess that's fine. It's going to be weird if he's actually just like not in space or whatever. Um, But I hope, I'm wondering if they'll end up doing something else space related that is not specifically Guardians. Like maybe they put together the Annihilators or yeah, that's what give, people give me the Star Jammers. I have been on, yeah. on that campaign oh, for years. <laughs> give me the Star Jammers. Uh, well, Star I Jammers will do something, great. but we'll see. Henry Cavill with a mustache as Corsair. That'd be great. <laughs> man, oh, Annihilators man. would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's geez, the just give us theory. Nova, man. For the love of Lord, you can do so much with just Nova. Yeah, yeah, and have them pop into Nova. Like, like there's yeah. a lot of ways to go with this. Annihilators is another one, in something, in some form or fashion, building up to an annihilation event is kind of what people are also betting on with Fantastic Four and all that stuff coming. So it's going to be really interesting, and uh, and I'm kind of interested to see how the Marvel fandom takes this. Um, it was good not to be emotionally battered by seeing horrible people die, like or seeing the Guardians all die. But uh, it, I was going down the list. They do give you James Gunn's messed with you because he gives you a near death fake out for pretty much every character in this movie. And I was going down a list of what they are. You think Star Lord's going to freeze in space and die at the end? You think Rocket's going to die fifty million times? There's a thing where Groot gets a thing uh, from the thing where he gets his head cut off and he's just like a, a head crawling around in a direct reference to kind of the thing. Nebula almost dies and has to reform herself about a million times. Drax gets blasted through the chest and you think he's going to die. You think Mantis is going to get eaten by the Abacors. Like there's just, he just straight up messes with you that every one of these characters at one point in the movie, Gamora nearly gets strangled out by War Pig and you're like, oh, she's going to die. And then Adam Warlock comes flying in. And it's like, yeah, there's so many fake outs in the movie. I was like, James Gunn, you bastard. Like, so. Oh, I, I will add, it should be noted, this movie has one of the coolest 
group fight scenes in this whole oh. MCU franchise. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't James Gunn that. for that. Uh, especially, I can be very critical of the MCU when they use like too much CGI in fight scenes because it takes me out of it. But there was a lot of CGI in that one fight scene towards the end, and it worked and it looked really, really good. Yeah, best fight scene, one of the best fight scenes in the MCU by far, because I was saying compared to Endgame, which was just a bunch of separate actors running around, punching air and blue dots, and then they filled it in later. There's actual choreography to this scene that is so complicated and works so well. And it's just, you, you've heard people say it's like Daredevil, it's called a hallway scene and it's a hallway sequence and it blows away anything James Gunn has done in the other film. So that, and also one of the best villain performances, Chuck Woody Awuji is kind of, I mean, he just steals the show as a high evolutionary and that man can freak you out more just smiling than most people can like yelling and trying to look menacing. And it's, and it's, it's almost too good of a villain performance. People are saying like, it's too freaky in some ways. So high positives for that. All right, I think that's about all the time we have. Obviously, go see Guardians of the Galaxy 3. We saw it on IMAX, and I highly recommend that. It looks gorgeous. The colors, the way it's shot and on an IMAX screen, the presentations they put together for that is really spectacular. Um, it looks really good. So go see it on that big screen. Check it out and uh, tell us what you thought. And also check out the uh, Phase Zero bonus episode if you want to hear. They're going to get in much more Marvel-y breakdowns and all that stuff we don't have time for because we got to cover all things geek culture. All right, this has been Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you for tuning in. If you're just getting into the show, we do live streams every Friday on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. If you want to keep up with the show, please do go over to Comic Book or uh, YouTube.com, Comic Book Nation, and subscribe. We put in a whole bunch of awesome like bonus videos matt's blowing up stuff with power rangers and bat wheels and wrestling and law and order and we're also going to be starting expanding some uh other coverage we have we're going to be using this good old studio for some other stuff we're going to think we're going to do a whole review of zelda tears of the kingdom coming up this week so a lot of great bonus stuff on the youtube channel follow us there follow us on twitter you can follow me individually at kofi outlaw you can find me at matt aguilar cb and i'm at jamie lovett all right, and be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms as well. This is Comic Book Nation. We will see you guys next week. Peace. This is... Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.